Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by AJ Smith. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, doing great. You know, we're on tour right now. It's it's an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, music and performing runs in your family. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's weird. I kind of discovered this a little bit later. My dad, he literally ran away and joined the circus. So there's that side of it. And he would routinely hop into the middle of the globe of death with like the motorcycles going around him and everything like that. Um, My mom has ridden elephants and like that kind of stuff. And then we found out that my mom's great, great uncle or my great, great uncle was Ernesto Laconia who is like Cuba's George Gershwin. And we have sheet music from his sister who taught my grandmother how to play piano and all of that, which is really, really cool. I mean, I guess my mom always knew that, but she just didn't didn't tell me or like didn't think it was significant to me since I was going into pop music. I'm like, no, that's that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's in your blood. Yeah. So how did you end up getting started? Well, I like ran away from home when I was three to go listen to piano lessons at the next door neighbor's house, who was also my godmother. And my parents were like, okay, we can't have a kid that's just wandering around the neighborhood looking for music. Um, (laughs) They uh, they put me in piano lessons with my godmother. And uh, that kind of kept me from wandering, I guess. (laughs) And then it just kept on going. I moved to New York City, I got a scholarship to study music at NYU, which was incredible. Got a scholarship from the Songwriters Hall of Fame to continue studying music. Uh, Met Glenn Fry from the Eagles uh, around then, and he invited me to open for the Eagles as a result and and taught me so much about writing songs and, you know, miss him every day. And then from there, it got expensive living in New York and the roller coaster ride of the career moved back home and kind of honed in on finding my sound and my voice and moved back to New York. And then a pandemic happened. Now I'm in Nashville. It's, you know, it's happening. (laughs) Why Nashville? So I had started going down there in order to just do writing sessions because so many artists were moving away from New York or moving away from LA just because of the cost. And that meant that all of the people that I would want to collaborate with, I was starting to collaborate with over Zoom before COVID ever happened. Um, And so then I started going down there and I had thought, oh, it's only country music, which was wrong. There's so much music that's not country in Nashville. And the work ethic is incredible because I think a lot of the people down there that are writing and creating music, they treat it like a job, and especially the country guys. They have a session at 10, they have a session at one. And I loved that mentality. And Glenn Fry even told me that, you know, when they were living in the same building as Jackson Brown, and he, they would hear that tea kettle in the morning at like 7 a.m., and Jackson Brown start working in like he was going to the office, you know, and like that's what got them to write better and better songs is when they started treating it like work, too. And, and so I've, I've loved that. So you also got to be on the Kelly Clarkson show. How is that different than a live show, you know, where you're opening, where you're headlining? What was the difference between that kind of audience? Yeah, you know, you can't see them. <laughs> I guess it's kind of. The big difference, which, you know, we had gotten used to with all the live streaming during during COVID. We were in a different studio where we weren't even in front of a studio audience. So it was weird. You don't get that immediate reaction or anything like that. So you're like, well, I hope hope that was good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I love getting the crowd to sing along with me. And, you know, you have 100, 200, 3000, however many people are at a show, depending on the venue or the, the size of the show or the festival. 
you know, you have all of these other voices out there that you can use as an instrument. And, and I love getting to do that. I couldn't do that then, but it was still just such a cool experience. And I think the coolest experience was um, sitting with my parents and watching the episode back and just seeing the look on my, my parents' face. That was really cool. You saying that reminds me of um, that thing you do when the family is getting to watch them on television for the first time and everybody's screaming and jumping around. Was there a lot of screaming and jumping around for you? It was like softer. There was like, (laughs) like, oh my God. And then it was watching, I mean, my dad, he's, he's the sweetest man. And we sometimes call him baby daddy because he's, he's the, like the strongest Superman guy, you know, but then he has his moments where, He's just when he's just proud of his kids, he can't help but cry. And it, it yeah, it's, it's really sweet. And same with my mom. And, it, you know, they know I've been working at this career for a long time, working really hard. And it, I think really exciting for them to be able to see a win. Crying dads is like my soft spot. Like anytime I see a dad crying, I just lose it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he started when my sister was getting married. He pulls me out and I was supposed to be singing Billy Joel. She's got away while my sister walked down the aisle and I was all ready and I was focused and I was like, I'm not even going to look at her because otherwise I'm going to cry. My dad pulls me out and he's like, Hey, and he's sobbing. He's like, when it comes time for me to like, you know, give away the bride or whatever, I want you and your mom to get up there too. So that it's all of us as a family, like saying we're presenting the bride, you know, and I just lost it at that point. And then I go and I'm sitting at the piano and I go, she's got away. (laughs) Like the most horrible. I'm sure that the people that didn't know that I was the bride's brother were like, where did they get this guy? <laughs> like, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's a little weird. Yeah. They were like, I think he needs some like auto tune or something. I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was bad. He must work for the church or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that so sweet that they're giving this guy a chance? <laughs> Yeah. You've also got to do some really cool stuff. Collaborating with Martin Guitars, a new line of ukuleles. How many instruments do you play? Ten or so. Ten that I play regularly. Um, I could probably pick up some others. I mean, you know, once you learn one stringed instrument, it's just a matter of learning the tuning and and the technique of others. And so that it's kind of like cheating. (laughs) You get a little bit of a head start. I played violin, so and I played guitar. So being able to play mandolin was like Okay, it's the same tuning as the violin, but then a lot of the technique is similar with guitar because it's a fretted instrument, and so it's, it's pretty easy. That's pretty awesome. Is it easy for you to teach people how to play, or is it just something that's so natural for you that it's hard to like explain technically? A little bit of both. As part of my musical artist journey, like many other artists, there was a period of time when I made money by teaching music lessons because I wasn't making any money as an artist. And that was really cool and really rewarding. And I mostly was teaching little kids, which meant I was going back to the basics. And actually, I feel like it helped me as a player rethink about how I play and how I communicate in general on non-music things like ideas for music videos and like that kind of stuff. I think learning how to teach little kids how to do something that I've just done instinctually for years now, it's just helped become a better communicator, I hope. When you brought up music videos, the music video for your new song, We're All Gonna Die, is a virtual reality world. How did you come up with that? And did you enjoy making that video? I did. You know, I mean, 
one day I hope that I have, you know, like Taylor Swift level budgets for my music videos because I like see it in my head and uh, and my budget means I can't always get exactly what like I was I wanted to make like a basically, you know, the show Black Mirror. Like I wanted to make an episode of Black Mirror as my music video and and we couldn't quite pull that off with my budget. So then the director and I we were talking, okay, well what can we do? What what can we accomplish? And he works at the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens in New York and got it approved for us to shoot there. And they they have a virtual reality exhibit, which is like a green screen room with cameras, 360 cameras and everything like that. So we filmed in there and we filmed me trying to escape from this virtual world all around the museum. And then we went and used stock footage to show from the perspective of me being all of these other characters like a knight fighting in a battle or like an astronaut who crash landed in space, somebody like in a high speed chase with a cop, like all of these different sort of worlds, but it's actually, you know, it's me stuck in this matrix almost, you know, yeah, it was cool. And a lot of your videos are theatrical. They're little movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. And, and you've released quite a few of them this year. So yeah. You, you must kind of just bang them out. I try, you know, I, it's such a passion. My fiance is a musical theater actress and dancer. And, and so she's, you've probably seen, if you've seen the music videos, you've seen her. Uh, she was Rudy Gladwell in my famous music video. And, and that was, it's always so fun to collaborate with her. And she was like the lead in my nobody music video, which was Bridgerton style. I, like there's something great about a performance video where you just get up and you perform a song acoustic or raw or something like that. And it's live. But if I have this other opportunity, I'm a storyteller and I want to tell a story. That's half of why I got into writing songs, just to tell stories. Yeah. Someone told me that your song, We're All Gonna Die, reminds them of Panic at the Disco. Is that mm. a compliment for you? That is a huge compliment for me. I wish I'd been able to see Brennan Yeri in Kinky Boots um, <laughs> when doing that show. Yeah. I was listening to all of their albums on the drive from Nashville to D.C. the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I think it not only comes down to like certain elements of the song and the songwriting and, and the rhythm and that little bit of a pop element where it's kind of alternative kind of pop, but also in the theater of your videos, it has yeah. kind of a panic at the disco, like Brendan Yuri, like very out there and performing and he's a big entity. Has that always been like a natural thing for you, like wanting to command the stage? I think so. I want to create an experience for people and I, I want to embody, you know, like all of my heroes, you know, Freddie Mercury to, I guess, even, you know, Brendan Urey, even though we're like, you know, not that far apart age-wise or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like so many of those artists, I think, are so incredible and transcendent in what they can do. And, and I want to create that experience for people because it's amazing as a concert goer in the audience and you see somebody come out on stage that makes you feel as though all of your misfit parts belong, that all of your brokenheartedness isn't alone, that all of that can come together and that there's somebody up there who's showing all of their weird, broken parts and their fantastic ideas and they're brave enough to do that. And so you can be brave enough to do that too. And that's what I hope I can communicate through my music. So what do you think you're trying to communicate through we're all going to die? 
Well, one that I guess I've been going through an existential crisis. <laughs> Half of it is the generational sort of angst of we've got a planet that feels like it's on a turning inflection point. You know, we've got um, so much hate in, that we've seen in the world lately. Just so much where it just feels like, hey, come on. Like, there's so much depression, anxiety. I myself um, have been dealing with my own mental health struggles. And that's kind of the other half of it, too, is, you know, I went through a pretty tough time personally. And coming out of that, I think I started to wake up and try to face every day with a little bit more gratitude and say to myself, okay, you know what, I don't know when my time is going to be, but I'm going to make the most of every every bit of time that I have. And I'm not going to back down from chasing my dreams. I'm not going to be something that I'm not because that's exhausting. <laughs> you know, wearing a mask, it just gets heavier and heavier. And, and it's unfulfilling. It's living a lie. And I, I don't want to do that. I want to put my attention and my energy into my music because that's what I love. And I hope that that can mean a lot for other people too. You also have a tour coming up next month. Well, you're on tour now, technically, right? Yeah. <laughs> have you been able to perform that song in front of an audience? I have now performed it twice in front of an audience and it is fun. <laughs> oh man. I mean, we're doing it like acoustic right now at my first full band performance. Oh no, I, I did play it with a full band performance actually in LA. So this is three times that I played it now and it, it's fun. I start off again, audience participation because like, I want you to feel like you've experienced something through the show and have been part of it. I start with, Hey, let's have some therapy repeat after me we're all gonna die we just don't know when and you know people get really really into it and it it was so fun is there somewhere on this upcoming tour that you are the most excited to visit Ooh, that's a good question i'm excited to visit everywhere uh, <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I can but... ask that question because you're not coming to wisconsin so you won't hurt our feelings <laughs> I, but though i really want to hopefully next year i get to play Summerfest because i played that a few years ago and it was incredible and I, I played a college show in madison and i loved it And madison is such a great town yes. and i went all over wisconsin actually and summer was a great time to visit <laughs> so better than yeah. february <laughs> yeah oh my i've also played there in february and that was <laughs> brutal yeah and you're no stranger to the winters i mean denver and new york they have pretty harsh winters too i mean snow in new york city is it's beautiful for about 20 minutes. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just brown and disgusting. It's eh. Yeah. So what's next for you? More music. I've got more songs up my sleeve that I'm excited to put out into the world. And more touring. Hopefully I have some cool tour things to announce soon. And, you know, right now just trying to enjoy and live in the present and appreciate the moments and moments like these and and getting to hear my song on a radio station is like incredible and you know that was the dream as a kid so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today absolutely thank you Miranda. i really appreciate it we're gonna check out we're all gonna die by aj smith right now on the resistance